Westbrook on the drive, falling away. Won't go. Rebound taken by Iguodala. They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! With six tenths of a second remaining. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Basement NBA Podcast. I'm your host, Kai, and I'm joined by my co-host. Mukhtar, how's it going, guys? How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I've recovered, had some good night's sleep, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm better than I was last night for sure. How, how was it? How was the experience? Um, it was, you know, it was funny. It's the first time it, it, it feels different knowing that things didn't go our way for the first time in a while, because obviously the last three games, a lot of things went right for the Raptors. Double OT, uh, OG Ananobi shot, you know, so... It feels weird for things not to go our way, and especially in the last uh, few minutes. Um, but um, and obviously all the uh, you know crazy takes about Pascal. I was one of them last night, but I think I've kind of uh, it's left my system. I'm, uh, my head is a little bit more clear about where the direction of the team should be, and you know I'm 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 okay now. So would you say as a fan, you're an optimist fan in situations like this, or a pessimistic fan in the sense that are you looking at the glass half full right now, or the glass? Right now, like a day later, definitely glass half full. Okay. But like right after the game, you know, glass fully empty. Fully empty. (laughs) No glass, no water. So, okay. Depression. So, guide me through the feelings and the emotions you went through. Yeah. So, the first three games, you already said, this is, you know, a lot of good things are going right for us. So now. First three quarters? No, uh, the first, like, three games leading up to game seven. Oh, yeah. Like, you guys bringing yourselves back into the series. Gotcha. Now, in terms of game seven, Mm -hmm. me, as a fan watching, you know, being a Canadian, I'm not, you know, a Raptors fan per se, but, you know, it's Canada's team. Right, you got a little dog in the fight. I got, yeah. Not a big dog, a little dog in the fight. A little dog in the fight. But I have vested interest everywhere, a little bit here and there. But That's fair. What I saw from the Raptors last night, was they shouldn't have even been in the game. Like, really? the way the game was going. Like, mm. I felt like... Especially in the, in the beginning of the fourth. Eh? Yeah, like, you wonder how are they still in the game. Like, they're chipping away, they're fighting. You see the amount of heart they played with. That's really the theme of the whole series. Okay, fair. How are they even in the series? But yeah. continue. Okay, so then I see, I wonder, how are they in the series? How are they in the series? They do a little good, they do a little good. But, like, there's certain stretches where they excelled in that game. And there's one specific stre- stretch I'm going to point out that... The, the the minutes Matt Thomas was on the court, yes. I think was the best stretch of yeah. Raptors basketball. This whole mm-hmm. series, I'll even go to say. I'd agree. I'd like, agree. Specifically, let's focus on Game 7. That was the best stretch in Game 7. Do we agree on that? I agree. I think it was the end of the first and beginning of the second. Yeah. When they had the biggest seat of the game. Yeah. Him being in that corner, the space that he drew up, like mm-hmm. gave Siakam lanes to the rim, yeah. Van Vliet lanes to the rim, like open shots Ibaka for other was making players. shots. Exactly. So what do you have to say about your bench's performance and then the, the amount that you guys have relied on the starters down the stretch and yeah. how they came through for you guys. So like so many times before in big games, we've had a random bench player come up big. So in this, well, it's, it's actually been a theme with Ibaka's career with the Raptors. He's been really big in big games. Obviously game seven last year, he was the only one that showed up besides Kawhi against Philadelphia. Um, this series, he's been showing up throughout the series and especially in the second quarter when he was hitting shots um and you know it it presents a tough challenge for nick nurse because especially in this series you have multiple starters that are just you know just they're soiling the bed they're just not doing what they're supposed to do all season and you have really good bench players with limitations you know 
Ibaka's on the bench for a reason. You know, his defense isn't as good as Gasol's. He, um, he's a little too jumpy. He commits fouls every once in a while. But he gives you so much on offense that you're willing to do that. Uh, it, so it presents a bit of a tough situation for Nick Nurse. Uh, and it came to, uh, I think he made the wrong decision yesterday, but I think he made the right decision so much in the past. Um, and you know, Are you talking about Nick Nurse? Nick Nurse, yeah. I think he should have. What do you mean? What do you? I don't think he should have uh, went back to Gasol after the after the first half. I think he should have benched him right after the halftime. Told him stay in the locker room, don't come out. I think he should have started <laughs> Ibaka. Gasol was playing good. He was. He wasn't playing bad. He was very decisive in the beginning of the game. Yeah, but that's the thing with Ibaka or Gasol is that he has up and down stretches even within games. Whereas Ibaka just seems much more aggressive, and that's all we need from a center position is that you're going to get a lot of open shots because the guards are always attracting two defenders, and so you need you need um, guys the center position to make shots or, or at least take shots, and that's what Ibaka is good at, you know. Um, and so I, I think he stuck with him too long. I think it was about a seven-minute stretch in, in the third quarter where he stuck with him. I think that was too long. I, I don't think you should have went back to him. Um, you know, but, I mean, it's, it's tough to say because Nick Nurse, as all good coaches, you have to – they're not going to get 100% of the decisions right. They're only going to get maybe 90, 80, 70, depends on how good the coach is. I think Nick Nurse has been one of the best, obviously, coach of the year at making, you know, the most amount of right decisions with the least amount of the wrong decisions. It just so happens that game seven, he made the wrong one down the stretch. Uh, there's a few decisions I think we're going to get into later but um, that he made. But again, this is hindsight 2020. So you can't really get mad at that. So, okay, that's good. Now, I've, I feel Boston kind of countered the Raptors with their small lineup and, yeah. and leaving like Grant Williams at the five or... Well, I think uh, Thais got, uh, got fouled out. Thais right? got fouled out. Yeah. He got fouled out, but he was in foul trouble towards the end exactly, of the fourth yeah. quarter. So yeah. that presented a different challenge for the Raptors regardless, and they had to leave Siakam with the five. Right. Now, I want to ask you, how did you feel about that last two-minute stretch where you guys were chipping your way into the game and there was a few key possessions that you guys... It was the theme of the series yeah. to beat... Right place, right time. Exactly. Right decision, right call, right play, and then have that spoiled by a Norman Powell drive on three guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and he let Tatum get the offensive rebound as well from the three point line. So. Oh yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now the reason why things have been going right the last few games, and the reason why things didn't go right yesterday, I think, is because of Kyle Lowry. I think Kyle really? Lowry, in a good way. Kyle okay. Lowry is the kind of the the one who calms everyone down on offense, who makes the right decisions on defense. Yesterday, for whatever reason, he was he was not aggressive, and he should have been. I think uh, if you reverse the roles of what Van Vliet was yesterday with what uh, Larry was in terms of aggressiveness, I think we have a better chance at the end of the game. Um, with uh, Kyle Lowry fouling out at the end, kind of put Van Vliet in the main ball handler um, you know, p- position. And we know throughout the season that he's good, in stretches as that, but he's much better as an off-ball player. You know, a guy who spots up and makes shots, who makes decisions on the catch, who's, you know, every once in a while makes uh, pick-and-roll plays and whatnot. But, you know, it's you know it's tough because people are going to blame different players, but I think you can go through the team and blame a single player at different stretches, you know? That's Obviously, Pascal was bad the whole game. That's fair. Powell was bad for a couple stretch for the end of the game when he went one-on-three for whatever reason. Um and got blocked and then on top of that gave up an offensive rebound on the three-point line so you didn't even, yeah it's a decent tatum 
Um, Van Vliet obviously was making the wrong decisions throughout the game. Yeah, running into guys, not finishing at the rim, you know, taking bad shots. Um, Gasol just wasn't taking the right shots or wasn't taking shots at all. And Kyle wasn't being aggressive enough. And obviously Nick Nurse, there was a couple of things he made at the end of the game. So on the offensive rebound where Norman Powell gave it up to uh, Tatum, don't you agree? Wouldn't have been a, wouldn't have been smart uh, to maybe put in Gasol, two bigs in that so they can secure a rebound or yeah. box out guys. I yeah. think it would have been you know much better. It wouldn't have given you know Tatum a clear lane without a big body in there, right? So uh, on top of that, he had for whatever reason. I understand Lowry's important, right? But why would you challenge such an obvious call and give up a timeout? Because if they had two timeouts and you see Van Vliet at half court, you know, just dribbling the hell out of the ball for no reason, I'm sure Nick Nurse thought to thought in his mind, I don't want to give up my last timeout and call it. Let's see where this possession goes. So say he has two timeouts. You know, I'm sure he says timeout at, you know, the 15-second mark. Let's run an actual play and then go from there. So, you know, that challenge was kind of a waste. It was a waste, yes, in hindsight. And yes, as, yeah. from our perspective as viewers, mm-hmm. but do they have the opportunity to see the replay that we saw? I think Lowry beforehand. and Lowry was obviously saying he yeah. hooked me, he hooked mm-hmm. me, and then you see the res- um, his reaction when he saw the yeah. replay. Like he knew yeah. this is a hundred percent a foul. Yeah, and, and I th- I think maybe Nurse thought to himself, listen, we have no chance in this game at end of the game without Lowry because exactly. he makes so many smart decisions. Yeah, let's hope you know, let's throw a hail mary and hope that exactly. this goes our way. Exactly, because you know, so many things have right. Yeah, um, but unfortunately it didn't. Yeah. Right? And we, we needed an actual play because Van Vliet was going nowhere for 20 seconds, yeah. as everyone saw. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he left Gasol in, this, in the third quarter way too long, obviously, um, at the, for a good seven minutes. It, was, it just wasn't Gasol's night. It wasn't even Gasol's series. So, um, And so I come away with that when I think of, okay, I, I can blame a single player for multiple stretches in the game into just saying the whole team just didn't play well. You know, that's, I think that's enough as a fan to just say, it wasn't the Raptors game. They had a lot of good games in this series where they pulled out an improbable win. So it was time that, you know, chances didn't go their way. You know, and I'm okay with that as a fan because I know that the Celtics played a better series, entire series. Um, so I can live with that. Even though it was a very winnable game, we had a lot of a lot of winnable games go our way. So that's, that's my thoughts as a fan of how yesterday went. And, okay, that's good. Now, I want to finish by asking you the amount of hate Pascal Siakam is getting online after a game like that by you as well yes definitely (laughs) he is the number one option on that team he is the one that's being invested millions of dollars in to be that go-to guy at the end of these games yeah this is what you train all summer yeah all summer to do yeah so what are your thoughts on Siakam being in that position and how he came through in that position yeah and what are your thoughts moving forward on Siakam as a player? Do you think that hate is deserved or undeserved? The hate is definitely deserved. Uh-huh. I actually, actually, I'm sorry. You hate him? I hated him yesterday. You hated him yesterday. Okay, All now. series. So let me let me ask you actually a question. Go ahead. Okay, so let's assume right now we're in the final round of who wants to be a millionaire. Okay. Okay. You have A, B, C, D answers, and then you can you have a call a friend left. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the question is, <clears throat> Siakam in the clutch, what move is he going to? A, spin move? Yeah. B, spin move? <laughs> C, spin move? Or D, jab, 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 dribble, spin move? And yell as he goes for a layup. Yeah. What do you pick? Um, you know, it's hard to choose between them. Mm-hmm. Are you going to call a friend? 
I'm calling somebody, calling God. Because <laughs> between those four decisions, it's, it's, a, it's a brick every time. <laughs> um, but listen, man, the hate is deserved. The hate is deserved? I'll let, you, I'll let you hate on him for a little bit. No, it's... It, Talk I'm about not, Okay, here. Siakam last year was impressive as hell in the sense that he was a really good second option. He was able to score in transition at will because of the amount of stops the Raptors were getting. He was hitting his shots, hitting his mid-range jumpers, hitting his uh, threes. He was that spin move was not in the scouting report last year at all because they're scouting for Kawhi and they're scouting for Lowry. So he was able to do as he wished. But and and that was, he was a great player. And yeah. when you ride that high in a championship season and your number one option leaves. As a franchise, anyone going back in time, you know, let's redo it 20 times. Everyone's going to sign Siakam and believe in Siakam. And to, they still would. Exactly. Right? So what I think Siakam should have done this offseason, I don't know what he worked on, but clearly what he did work on, you can attest to this more, worked because in the beginning of the season, he was on tear. Yeah. He was a great player and yeah. he looked like he earned that every bit of that contract, every dime that was he signed for. Mm-hmm. The playoffs is a different game. And the Raptors as a whole struggled in the half court. And that struggle can be emphasized by Siakam's inability to score in the half court when he is the primary scouting report. Like when he is the primary scorer that's being tasked to stop. Now, me and you had a conversation earlier about how Jalen Brown being um, quick on his feet, able to get low, quick hands, able to stay in front of him is the type of defender that's needed to stop Siakam. But I think it's way simpler than that. I think Brad Stevens and their defensive coaches told them, just stop him from driving right. If you stop him from driving right, he won't be able to spin. Or spinning over his right shoulder. Yeah. So if you, like there was a couple possessions where Grant Williams stopped him from scoring. And Grant Williams is not quick on his feet. And then there was a couple possessions where he blew by Grant Williams and scored. But all they were doing was jumping to his right, stopping him from going right. If you stop him from going right in the beginning, then he has a harder time to score. Now, yes, if I'm going to be optimistic, I can say Siakam can go in this offseason, yeah. understanding that and learning by the through the experience that, hey, this offseason, I need to add more moves into my bag. I need yeah. to work on my handles. I need to do this. I need to do that. But just being in... The, like all the cards falling your way, being in a game seven position and all he has to do is deliver, just deliver 25, mm-hmm. deliver 28 and yeah. you guys win the game. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me was just the most disappointing thing. Well, the thing is, I think with most Raptor fans, even the most optimistic ones, they're not going to say Siakam had a breakout game coming because at the end of the day, he got shut down. Six straight games, it, there was no sign of him being due quote-unquote, for a big game because, uh, you know, he was getting the shots he wanted. Well, not really. He wasn't even getting the shots he wanted. When he did get the shots he wanted, he was blowing wide-open layups. He wasn't making mid-range jump shots. He stopped shooting threes the last few games, which is kind of good because he wasn't making it 12% all. from threes. Yeah, and he wasn't making them. So um, it's really hard to say what he could have done differently because there's just so many holes he needs to plug before coming back next year. It kind of sucks it's only two or three months off season when usually there's like six months. But, you know, uh, I still think the contract is well-deserved. Okay. And I still think it's not a bad contract at all. Um, Especially when you look at it from the lens of he's a number two option. Because we can agree on that. He's a number two option, right? I would say that, but he's the number two option for a specific number one. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. All you Raptors fans believe wholeheartedly Giannis is coming. He may not be the perfect number two he's for Giannis. He's not the perfect number two for Giannis. And I don't like maybe he's a number three. But Giannis if Van Vliet's in the fold though. But yeah, also Van Vliet could be a good number two. But at the same time, you've seen what he's like when he's off. Like you need someone like a bigger guard. Well, no, what I'm saying is, for example, if uh, Pascal and Fred Van Vliet share the number two role. Kind of like what Van, um, Larry and Siakam did with Kawhi. Okay. Right, they were both kind of a number two with Siakam obviously showing up more often, but um, it, that could be a that could be a scenario, right? It could be if they need a bucket from the perimeter, you know, give it to Van Vliet. If they need a bucket from the mid range or whatever, or a two man game, you have uh, Giannis and Siakam there. So I don't think it's a bad number two at all. Fair. Okay. Fair. Now, I think we've spent quite some time on the Raptors. I want to yeah. transition quickly into just I want to make a, a comment on the Celtics. So. I believe, obviously... Do we have to talk about them? I believe, yes, we do. I believe the Celtics are... That we're the more talented team and would... I agree. ...had a better chance in, let's say, the finals or Eastern Conference finals, in my opinion. I think we're... Against Miami. Against Miami, but I think also they would put up a better fight against either the Clippers or the Lakers or whoever makes it out of the West. So, I think in terms of fans getting good basketball for the next few weeks it was good now i want to comment on jason tatum and his quote-unquote ascension Mm -hmm. so jason tatum is putting up numbers Mm -hmm. he's getting rebounds he's making the right plays but what i think there was a few key possessions in the fourth quarter towards the end of the fourth quarter where i was watching the game and i thought to myself right now like he'd get the ball with seven seconds left on the shot clock and they'd be up like three, or they'd mm-hmm. be up two, and I'd say, this is superstar time. Like, right now, yeah, he misses. This is superstar time, right now, and he misses. And he needs to learn. He needs to be put in these big games to learn that those are, you know, career, not career-defining moments, but career-elevating moments in yeah. the sense that you can rely on him. Like, he is hitting nice step-back threes, yeah. nice wide-open threes, timely shots. Like, he's getting to the basket timely moments, getting to the lane, uh, uh, free-throw line at timely times. But I think what he's missing, and now that we have more playoff games for the Celtics, he will be given those opportunities again. But I think he's missing just a little bit more before we can say he's a superstar. I think he's on the right track, and yeah. he is going to be something special. Yeah. But he missed out on a few key opportunities. That's just something I wanted to comment on. Uh, you know, as a, as the op, as the opposing fan, uh, watching uh, Tatum, um, it was really impressive because they did put a lot of different defenders on him, and it seemed like he adjusted to it pretty well. Because obviously in the post, I don't think he had a lot of. I, I didn't look into the numbers very well, but I don't think he had a he had a a lot of success against guys like Van Vliet and Larry in the post, even though he's much bigger. Um, but that's something I feel like every big perimeter player goes through in their career is as teams are going to throw smaller guys at you where they won't let you dribble. It's just that it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's a mentality test. It's yeah. a toughness check yeah, in, and a, in a way. Exactly. And it's like, can you, can you figure out a way to outthink this smaller guy? Because he's going to get into dribbles, you know, he's going to try and take the ball away from me before you do your move. He's quicker than you. So I think he went through that a lot with the Raptors because yeah. Nick Nurse, you know, and he's very smart. He put Larry on him for most of the, for most of the game. For most of the series, so, um, but I did. I, I do think he's first off. He's amazing, mm-hmm. amazing basketball. We can't player. deny his, that. his bag is ama- like he. He, just he has, has a lot of moves. A lot of moves. He's making. He makes every open. Sh- it felt. It felt like he made every open shot, Fair. especially like in the clutch. 
Raptors did a good job in not allowing him to get a lot of open shots, but whenever he did, money. Yeah. Um, yesterday, there was a key play where kind of a semi-fast break where he came up and then he just shot it in Siakam's face. <laughs> in my anger for Siakam, I blame Siakam at the moment, but obviously looking back on it, it was just how amazing. Uh, was it a three or mid It was a three, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, like top left. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. And it was like kind of a, you know, it wasn't really a full fast break, but it was, you know, in transition a little bit. Uh, and obviously, his to speak about his maturation, he affected the game in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Like he went for that rebound knowing that Oh, does a guy who's five inches shorter than me, if I just get in front of him, I have a chance at the rebound. Um, so, you know, I think he has, um, I think he has a lot of good games coming because I feel like the Raptors defense um, stifled him in a way. Might, I think it's the best defense left in the, in the playoffs. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a stretch to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe peak uh, Clippers, maybe a little bit better, but I don't think there's another team that could give Boston the different types of looks um, that the, that the uh, Raptors did. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite those dif- different defensive looks that they got, they were and yes, and Jason Tatum was uh, he was performing. still amazing. He yeah. was still performing. Mm-hmm. Um, Kemba was the only one that really struggled, mm-hmm. um, and he might struggle against the series against the Clippers because they do have uh, Miami, a few small defenders that can get into Miami. Do you mean? Miami? I don't think so. I think he'll are have you a, saying you're assuming Clippers are making the finals? Then? Uh, well, no. From the West, that's my pick. I'm not. I'm not really confident about it, yeah. but. Uh, I do feel like Celtics are going to make the finals for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. The, I don't, I I don't think you agree, right? Yeah. I think in six games, to be honest, I don't think it'll be as competitive as the uh, Raptors series. Yeah, I think it's a matchup thing because if Miami, if Raptors made the conference finals, I don't, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable saying Raptors would make it to the finals. But oh. I do feel like Celtics match up better against Miami. Yeah, um, there's less really good defenders on the perimeter that can give um, Kemba and Tatum, maybe one of them, but not both of them, trouble. They have um, Iguodala, Crowder, Jimmy Butler. I don't think Crowder is a... He's not going to defend Tatum or Brown. I don't, I don't think he's quick enough on the perimeter for that. Um, but they do have those three guys. But then it depends on who you put on who. Iguodala could be on Tatum. Mm-hmm. That could be a problem. But then you have Jalen Brown roaming the perimeter. Uh-huh. And then they're going to be giving guard spots to Dragic or yeah. Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson. Yeah, exactly. So those guys off the bench aren't as... Nunn. Yeah, they're not the greatest you know defenders, at least in this stage of their career. So... Kendrick I, Nunn's good. He plays two-way, but, you know, I understand. He's not going to be getting, getting most of the exactly, minutes, right? Exactly, so, yeah. so um, I, do think, I do think Kemba's going to have a big series against them. Um, but, yeah, I, that's my pick. I think... So, Celtics and six. Celtics and six. I would, uh, the, the way Miami's playing, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a battle of, like, you know, out of bio, how they contain him. They don't have the big men to contain him, so they're probably going to put... Tice on him and see how that goes. Maybe yeah. switch Jalen Brown on him, see how that goes. Yeah. And um I I think it's gonna go to seven games. Okay. And I think Celtics will win in seven. Mm-hmm. But I just think it just goes down to Brad Stevens and Spolstra and see like how they play. Cause Miami's another team that tries to throw different defensive looks at you. They're like Spolstra is a creative coach as well. Yeah. So he's in the in more leaning towards um, Nick Nurse compared to other coaches. Right, in the he does play the right zone now. a lot. Yeah. There's Nurse as well. Yeah. So, I think that's going to be a good series and be an entertaining series. So let's quickly address how Miami got to the Eastern Conference Finals and yeah. who they trampled, walked over, um, avalanched, and uh, bull. What what is burnt it to a crisp? Burnt to a crisp. Who they who they demolished on the way there. And it's your Indiana? quote unquote no, Indi- not Indiana. Oh my bad, that was a month ago. <laughs> that was a month ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A future, future Toronto Raptor quote unquote, which I do not think that's happening. The Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah, and 
how he was shut down. The my, Milwaukee Bucks were exposed as frauds. And me and you have both said on this podcast that Mike Budenholzer is not a playoff coach and he is a fraud. Yeah. And he should not be employed. We addressed <laughs> in our last podcast that um, Brett Brown is also a fraud and should not be employed. And we were correct in that. He was fired as soon as they... <coughs> Excuse me. As soon as they lost, mm-hmm. so what do you have to say about how that series unfolded? And on top of that, how immediately after the series ended, they said Mike Budenholzer is not going anywhere. Eric Bledsoe is going somewhere. So, That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. They're willing to. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is not the greatest player, and he's mm-hmm. not offensively. He's not someone you can rely on in these big playoff games. Yeah. Now, Mike Budenholzer though is someone that doesn't make adjustments like. Yes, yeah, well known for sure. Milwaukee's at playing this point. like the pick and roll. They were getting demolished. They are not coming up. Even Giannis, he's playing drop coverage. Like he's not. He's not like that's what he's playing in the paint. Mm-hmm. Like the way Rudy Gobert is playing in the paint off Utah's pick and rolls. Yeah, or how Utah defends pick and rolls. You can't. You can't continuously play like that in the playoffs. No, no. Once and it's, so you can address. And, and you, you know, address. once once players start saying that, that's when you know it's a problem. Um, I don't know if you listen to JJ Reddick's podcast, but he talked about how, you know, when you play one way the entire season mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's a team that comes up and they just so happen to be, you know, perfect for the way you play because Milwaukee's defensive concept is give up everything except paint, paint uh, points, you know. We'll do everything we'll, you know, to, uh, we can to obviously not let you get threes, but the main priority is the paint. avoid, uh, you know, drives to the paint and whatnot. Um, and it works because a lot of teams don't make the adjustment and they take a lot of mid-range jump shots. But if you look at the the profile, the defensive profile, Milwaukee does give up a lot of threes. Well, you know, Miami just so happens to be one of the most proficient three-point shooting teams in the league. Obviously, when that happens, the you know, considering the fact that this league in 2020, the better shooting team usually makes it past and gets a W. It just, you know, it just that's just the way it worked out. What he should have done was maybe put Giannis at the five much more often and you know, blitz pick and rolls when Dragic was playing because Dragic did them really bad. Um, you know, Butler's going to do... He's, he's an all-star for a reason. He's going to have big games. But it was the other guys that beat them. It was Jay Crowder. Exactly, it yeah. was Duncan Robinson. It was... Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo. The yeah. whole team beat them. Exactly. So the fact that he never adjusted in a meaningful way at all in the series, I don't know. I was pretty surprised when they said they were going to keep him. I'm sure you were as well. Yeah, definitely. I was... But I was baffled. I mean, he hasn't look at his resume. Look at his resume, man. He's known as a guy who just does this. It's not like it's something he's done only with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, you know, he's done it with the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta Hawks when they got swept in the mm-hmm. conference finals um, against the, uh, the Cavaliers with LeBron yeah. when they were. I think they won sixty games that season too. So, you know, looking back on it, I'm sure everyone thought, oh, there's something about the Hawks. It's LeBron yet. But now that we have a bigger sample size of what uh, Coach Bud does, you know, it could be because of him that they lost back then. So. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I was very surprised. I don't think trading Bledsoe does much for them, though. But trading Bledsoe for some because you need to remember that Bledsoe got a very big contract extension. Yeah. And Bledsoe's contract extension, you need to get rid of that to open up space for a second guy. Yeah, for or sure. A third guy, essentially, or a trade or something like that. Or a yeah. trade or something like that. So they need, in my opinion, they need like they need a good number one B or one A. So it does. It, he does doesn't Chris even Paul need, fit the mold for you? If you were Chris Paul or Victor Oladipo or you know Bradley Beal, I'm just throwing out guys. I don't even know if they're available. Bradley yeah. Beal or Chris Paul for like, sure. We know is available. Yeah, yeah. Even like um, Victor Oladipo has a contract. 
he's getting his contract renewed next summer, like okay. essentially. So if any team trades for him, it'd be like a one-year rental, but like in hopes of signing him in yeah. free agency, getting his bird rights, right? But then I don't know why would Indiana even do that, right? Why would they get rid of him? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If That's that's a good point. Now, um, I feel as though Milwaukee is in terms of... Um, um, in terms of uh, Milwaukee's uh, future, I think Giannis is not essentially... Okay, so let me phrase this better. I think Giannis needs a better 1A, like I said earlier, but I think he needs to not be so loyal in the sense that he's determined to win with this group. And in a, in a way, if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, you respect that. You respect someone that's going to say, I'm going to stick it through thin and thin. But like even me as a Phoenix Suns fan, I would want Devin Booker to not give up. Like I would yeah, want him 100%. to stay in the Valley and I want him to keep trying and build mm-hmm. with the team. But I would want him to understand look at his roster, look at his coaches, look at everything and just understand what the reality is. Like go to the head of GM's office and say, listen, this coach is not cutting it. I don't care. Get me better guys. I'm leaving. You know what I mean? Like put pressure as the star player on your franchise to make the right moves and not say, let's run it back. We had a bad draw. We had a bad series. Mm -hmm. Let's run it back. Giannis got injured. No, you did not change your defensive schemes. You did not adjust to playoff basketball. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I, if if the Milwaukee Bucks had a better coach and a better one A one B star, you don't think Middleton cuts it? I think Middleton's good. Like, but like, imagine Middleton as your third guy. Like, yeah, that's a scary team. Mm-hmm. So let's say Milwaukee gets a better coach, a better one A, better one B, and they are fifth seed, sixth seed, fourth seed, just working through the motions. They're a scarier team in the playoffs than someone that comes in two years in a row as a first seed yeah. and just does everything they did to get the first seed yeah. and lose. Do you yeah. understand what I'm saying? No, I understand. I agree. So I agree. Giannis's future is up for a question right now. I still. believe there's a big development on Giannis's future. I mean, I mean, he's unfollowing teammates on Instagram. What does that mean to you, man? That you tells don't, everything. Are you an Instagram man? Do you understand the nuances of social media? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's impossible to accidentally unfollow uh, your whole team, right? So, yeah, that's fair. That's so fair. it's maybe he's locked in, man. Off season, he's locked in. <laughs> Opposite of LeBron, huh? Yeah, he's locked in the off season when it doesn't matter. Exactly. But speaking of LeBron, that's not fair. Yeah. Let's talk about the West for a, for a second. What is going on with the Houston Rockets? I mean, we expected this. They're trash, but we had hopes. Is there? I don't know. I have hopes. I'm a, anybody that's versing Lakers, like you could yeah, put, you could put, you know, yeah, you could put Minnesota Timberwolves. I'll say Cats a superstar. <laughs> I'll say Cats. You know, we're not oh. we're not very big Laker fans here. Yeah, we're not. So, wh- what do you think is going on in that front? If you can quickly address it, we're just gonna yeah. wrap up the podcast quick. But we just want to sprinkle in some thoughts on the Western Conference series. I mean, you know, looking at what Westbrook is doing, I feel bad for him because it's it's a tough position to be in. But don't you just expect that this was going to happen? Like, I mean... That Westbrook was going to do Westbrook things? Yeah, then Harden was going to be in a position to deliver and he wouldn't. Is that something that's surprising? I don't think it is, man. Uh, that's fair. I agree and, with you. And, you know, I think the, the Rockets have one more meaningful move left in the chamber. And that's getting Pardon? rid of... Pardon? Pardon? One more meaningful move yeah. left. Yeah. And that's getting rid of uh, D'Antoni. After that, there's they, their cap space is locked up. They, yeah. they, they have nothing to do in terms of money. Yeah. Um, they could switch up role players, obviously, you know, switch up guys that would, uh, you know, follow rules. Um, 
specifically. I don't want to get into specifics, but <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, Dan- da- Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, Daniel House Daniel Jr. has been uh, suspended or evicted, evicted or under investigation for. Oh, he's sent home already. They oh, they sent, sent him, him home. They sent him home. He's really? not coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Said, Go home, brother. It's over for Do you. Do you think I was reading these rumors and stuff, yeah. but like no, some no, people even said like he was taking he's taking cover for someone on the team. Yeah, I heard that. Too. But then apparently he's saying I didn't do anything. So Daniel House? Yeah, he's saying I didn't do anything. Um the girl said um it was Tyson Chandler and another someone else, but the NBA couldn't prove it. So the only thing they could have proved was Daniel she was in Daniel's house room um hotel room for multiple hours overnight. She was in his hotel room. Yeah. Really? He could have been playing cards. Who knows? But yeah, um, I don't know how the NBA came to uh, these, assume these, they were within six tra- feet. Yeah. How, how do you even assume they were within six feet? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, social distancing. I mean, it's, have yeah. you seen the hotel? It's a big hotel room. It's a big hotel. Yeah, they could have been different room. corners. Yeah. Like, you could play cards. You just throw it. <laughs> anyways. Um, so anyways, he's been sent home. He's been sent home. So the only uh, real big move left in the offseason for the Rockets is to get rid of Mike D'Antoni. Like, wow. You, can, you really get tra- can you really trade Westbrook? No. His value is no. so low at this no. point. No. Harden, if you trade him, it makes no sense because yeah. then you'd be starting over with West, with Westbrook. So yeah. they gave up a lot of picks. Um, Do you think Harden can go back to like a normal brand of basketball? <laughs> it's it's a lot to ask for after many many years yeah. of playing the same way. But yeah. you have to try. There's literally no other option. Yeah. And I think the writing's on the wall for Dantone. I don't think he's coming back. Do you think he's? No, no, no. What yeah. about their GM, Daryl Morey? Do you think it's over for him? I hope not. I think he's a I good mean, GM. he's put the well. He's a, you could say he's a good GM, but he's yeah. put them in hell right now. Like he the did. position they're in. But I feel like it's you know what? I feel like he he might get fired just because of the the different ownership. Yeah, it feels like the Westbrook move was almost a desperation move. Desperation, last chance. Yeah, so I feel like he might be canned as well with with D'Antoni. But if he was to stick around, I mean, you have to get rid of D'Antoni. That's just okay. You get let's say you got a better coach, for example. Yeah. What do you do then? What do you think? Do you think James Harden, imagine bringing in a new coach yeah. <laughs> and you have James Harden and Westbrook as your stars and what are you going to do? What are you going to ask them to do? Maybe you'll play a traditional big man. You'll go back more to pick yeah. a role and you'll tailor a little bit to James Harden and Westbrook. But yeah. I don't know, man. That's that's the thing though. It's like they, because they're in a position that they're in right now, there's only one or two options they have. That could be a blessing. The fact that you can't make the wrong choice because there's not that many choices anyways just get rid of Dan Tony go from there if the same thing happens next year then you know see if maybe Westbrook's value is different you know maybe you can get more role players maybe get rid of Harden get a mm-hmm. big haul back from that mm-hmm. you know uh, there's not that many options left in it Harden's 31 years old did you know that no I didn't know that that's crazy he's pretty old He's way older than I thought he'd be. Yeah, I thought he was like 28 or something. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, he's been doing, he's been choking the playoffs for years, it seems like. <laughs> I guess. I thought he was a young guy. He's, he's He doesn't have many more years left in his prime. I mean, he's about to be a journeyman. <laughs> journeying to, um, journeying to, to China? Uh, no, not to China. No. Do you think he has a big family yeah. in China? No, his, sure. his, the way he plays, he's going to be this way for the next few years. Yeah, for he sure. can be in the NBA for yeah, a while. Yeah. I mean, I he's going to be. At this level, for sure, for the yeah. next few years. But so, the, but then again, that's another factor. Houston doesn't have a lot of time left with this guy's career. So, I don't know. I don't see any other options. Do you? 
No, I think, like you said, get a better coach and hope that they can get, garner the respect of these stars and change their system, get maybe a competent center and a decent power forward and maybe come back to a traditional way of I basketball. Do, I, I do hope, I, I do have hope for the way they're playing though. I still think oh, a five out is, is going to work. Is way to go, yeah. It's just that there has to be a little bit more movement. There mm-hmm. has to be a little bit less reliance on, on Harden. Mm-hmm. But I if think they, if they cut more and they move the ball around more, they'd yeah. be infinitely better. In, in my opinion, hundred percent, because and there'd be way more open shots, yeah. less doubling Harden on the perimeter, and yeah. just kick out, move, move, move. Hope someone hits a three. Hope yeah. someone hits a three. Hope yeah. someone hits a three. I mean, I, that's the thing. Like it, their process of getting their W's and their stats, like the amount of threes you're taking and whatnot. Like the totals, you look at it and say that's a modern team. That's what I want a modern team to look like. Nothing's wrong with it. Then you look at the process and you say. There's a lot wrong with this. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't yeah. be the way it is, yeah, right? It's, not, it's, it's passing the, the stats test and not the eye test. Exactly. And yeah. everyone who watches them can say the same thing. And obviously with this series, you know, credit to the Lakers, they're limiting them to like 33s a game, which is unheard of for the Rockets. They're not taking a lot of threes anymore. So, you know, um, but that's a whole different thing. I think the fact that the Lakers are this good surprises me. You know, I didn't especially expect- with the role players relying on Caruso Rondo, and Rondo yeah, and like these players. Very surprising. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just goes to show maybe that who we think is not gonna, you know, excel or like these diamonds in the roughs that they think as a franchise, okay, this is yeah. the best we can work with to come through for us. Mm-hmm. We we as fans don't agree, yeah. but it just co- goes to show like these are the guys that you know exactly you can rely on in these big moments. Exactly. Surprisingly. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, moving on to the Clippers and the uh, Denver series. That was looking like just a wash. And yeah. then Michael Porter Jr. Still called out his coach. Oh, yeah. With those comments that I just want to briefly address as, why, man? <laughs> just just why? Over under of two coaches uh, in, his career? Th- in his career, how many coaches do you think Michael Porter Jr. is getting fired? I, I think he's going to be out of the league before that, brother. You don't think he's going to be that good? I'm just kidding. He's good, but like I've been saying this from the jump. I'm taking jump. over if I was you, a betting man. You, you think he's going to fire? more than two coaches for sure. Do you think franchises are going to invest that much into him? Just in well, terms of- there's talent, bro. There's talent. You look at talent and you just say, you got to invest in talent, bro. He's, he's talent, but he's just incredibly selfish. Selfish, yeah. No, no disrespect. He's a talented player, but like mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, when you believe you're the man in high school and you believe you're the man in college yeah. and you believe no one can take a better shot than me, yeah. I need to be taking these shots. Like, how do you have the courage in your first <laughs> year to say, to call out your coach like that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I his mean, dad is in his ear. Who knows? You know those 2K responses back in the day where you can just be like, okay, do you want to get more fans? Do you yeah. want to talk about yourself? Do you want to talk about your teammates? He's just pressing the me button. Like he's just he's <laughs> just wrong giving button, s- wrong button, wrong responses. Someone said um, minus 50. I read the comments. Minus 50% team chemistry plus 4,500 fans. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah. Um, I mean, with everything that he did say, he got a... A big block, a big rebound, and a big shot at the end of the last game. So, and he was still on the court. I was surprised that he was getting yeah, minutes. I was after. surprised too. Yeah, I thought maybe he'd be benched, you know, just to be taught a lesson. Kind he's of that thing. good. Yeah. I mean, isn't that basically like what his career is going to be? He's going to get coaches fired. Teams are still going to invest in him because mm-hmm. of the you know the talent that he has. Do you think he can ascend to superstardom? Let's okay. Actually, before I ask you that question, he has the mentality mm-hmm. of a superstar, Absolutely. and that's kind of like one of it's the very things. valuable. It's very valuable. So, like, Siakam doesn't have that. So, give 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 him Siakam's role. Yeah. What, what, do you think the Raptors would be in the finals right now? As a rookie? Yeah. 
put Michael Porter Jr. Uh, on the Raptors right now. I'm not going to diss him that bad. I'm not going to diss him that bad. Listen, man. He's, Stop it. How many times did he get the ball on the perimeter? Jab, jab, jab. Okay, I thought we're I'm done gonna, talking with the Raptors. Okay, I'm sorry. Please, let okay, it go. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm hurt so, Okay, so Denver is making a comeback surprisingly. It's 3-2 series. Tomorrow is a big game. Let's see what goes down then. Today is the Houston Rockets-Lakers game. Uh, we still didn't get a chance to view that. I think that's on right now, do you think? I believe so, yeah. Or soon, yeah. Or beyond a bit later today. Um, as for that, I think that's... that's. Oh, it's later today. So I, bit, I think for that, that's today's episode for you guys. We've addressed a few things. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next week talking a little bit more about the conclusion of the Western Conference semis. and Celtics Heat. Celtics Heat, Western Conference Finals. Clippers, Lakers, hopefully. And maybe we can get some more... Um, uh, free agency buzz or you know player movement draft information become um, there's a new CBA agreement that needs to be done in the works and there could be a chance for a lockout and the NBA season could be in um, flux in terms of start dates for next season so yeah nothing is confirmed in terms of uh, free agency dates or draft days or the NBA start of the season yet so I think that's that for today's episode yeah any predictions before we uh so we, we, uh, we agreed that uh, Celtics were going to take the series. I said Celtics in seven, you said in six. Yeah. Um, in terms Lakers, of Clippers. Lakers and Clippers, I think Houston's going to win today. It's so back against the wall okay. kind of game. So the series would go 3-2. And then I believe the Lakers could close it out in six, potentially. Um, what do you have to say for that? I think, yeah, Lakers and Clippers are going to you know make it past. Oh, the yeah. Like, yes, sure. I agree. Lakers and Clippers are going to be in the Western Conference yeah. final. Yeah. So I think, but for me... My I mean, my head is telling me Clippers in six or seven, but yeah, can we just, can we make agreement uh, uh, predictions as like you know we should have made this beforehand, brother. Well, no, well, I guess that's true, but you know we're wrong. I think. Yeah. Well, actually, we, I think everyone could have predicted Lakers and yeah. Clippers, right? Yeah. But we okay. were wrong about the Eastern Conference. I think. Most, yeah. I think most people were. So, but I think for me, my head is saying Clippers, but seeing what LeBron's been doing and oh in terms of going to the NBA finals yeah oh okay okay I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Lakers no Clippers Clippers <laughs> yeah, Clippers think, and seven I think Clippers are gonna win I think they're gonna make the NBA finals but in terms of predictions I think it's gonna be Clippers and Celtics and then um, Clippers in I would say seven I think he's gonna go to seven I think Clippers in seven against the Lakers or six and then Clippers in six against Celtics in the finals yeah let's not get there buddy we can make that prediction right before we get there (laughs) but all right that's it for everyone thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time peace